It's been a blessing to be together here this morning and uh, trust that our fellowship together will be an encouragement this morning, this week, and uh, definitely feels different missing quite a few folks, but uh, I'm sure they're having a blessed morning together too. Thank you, Larry, for reading those stories. I appreciate how you brought out how Jesus ended up at a different place than most people expected him to. And uh, this morning, we would like to focus on children. Uh, This is a suggestion um, from someone here at church a few months ago, and I thought it was a great idea. So this morning, we're going to talk about children and specifically the blessing of children. And there's a lot of children here. That's good to see. And uh, we're going to, to talk about this, and then towards the end of the sermon, when it's just hard to sit still anymore, you know about when that time is, maybe for all of us, but uh, especially the children, we'll have you come on up then for a, uh, a little story uh, to wrap things up this morning. So. so children are a real blessing from God, a big blessing, and I would venture to say that the church of tomorrow is sitting right beside you, and... And they're watching and listening and, and, and learning this morning. They're picking up a lot. Imagine having no children at church, and it would be a different church service. Maybe a bit quieter and more orderly and everything, but a little more boring, wouldn't it? And uh, there's just an element that children bring to service by being here. And we're so glad that you're here. It's exciting to have children here. And, and we, we see the excitement of children when they, they come to Sunday school class. Last uh, evening, I was talking with my little boys. They were going to bed, and one of them asked about tomorrow and church, and, and he was excited about going to Sunday school class, and they're excited about the Smarties after church, and Jason's not here this morning, but uh, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. And the library, they love the library. So thanks to all of you who make it special for the children here by teaching Sunday school, handing out Smarties, and, uh, and taking care of the library, all that work behind the scenes. And it really just is a huge blessing to have our children here and have them part of our worship service. Joanna and I, we love our children that God has blessed us with. We love them quite a bit, as all of you parents do. And we find ourselves at a, at a fun stage, and every stage has been fun. This feels like a full stage for us to have little Zeb and diapers and uh, Josiah driving a car. And uh, so it's, it's, you know, you're with a little baby. He's just soaking up all the attention and, and giving out big wet kisses. And then you're interacting with your older children as more like adults, and, and they're they're more and more on their own. So we're loving it, and it didn't take long for it to happen, and I suppose that it's going to continue to go faster and faster for us. So as I interact with, with people around us, I, I have noticed a disturbing trend, and, and I believe this trend has been here in very different forms over the years. I believe it's something that I've heard about from the past where where there was this thought process that we really shouldn't bring many children into the world because, you know, the world's not a great place and it's getting worse. 
which is very accurate. In fact, it's gotten a lot worse. I don't think we could have imagined what it would be like today. And so, you know, for that reason, there were plenty of families who didn't have as many children as they maybe could have have had. And I believe there's been an emphasis in society around us about how how expensive it is to raise children. I don't know if any of you read this report from 1998, U.S. News and World Report. They had an article about how much it costs to raise children. And the conclusion was that it took $1.5 million to raise a child to age 22. That's a lot of money. And uh, so I did the quick math, and I thought, well, if it costs that much, it, we're going to spend about $12 million on our children. And I, I don't intend to spend that kind of money. And, and the numbers are way inflated, but if you think about the spirit behind the study and the results, you know, who was really behind this study? Why, why were they saying it costs that much? And, and I believe it, it portrays that raising children are a burden, a financial burden, and it's really almost impossible to raise children financially. And yet we realize that those numbers are very far off. A recent article from CBS News, they said Americans who are thinking about starting a family have a new data point to consider the cost of raising a child to age 17 will set you back by 310000 And I think that number is inflated, too. Much lower, but still very inflated. There's also been a lot of anti-child movements that have started up in recent years. The one here, pardon the pun, is, is no kidding. And I don't know if you've heard of that movement, but they, it's a group that has got together that they... Their, their theory is that, or the reason they got together is because they have chosen to be childless and uh, be happily child-free, in their words. And they argue this point on the basis that the world is being overpopulated. So this is what they're doing to help out with the situation. There's another organization called the Voluntary Human Extinction Movement which sounds very disturbing, and it is. They go by the, the uh, term or the acronym vehement. Their motto is, may we live long and die out. And they say they're the, humanitarian, the human humanitarian alternative to human disasters. Here's something from their website. When every human, who chooses to st- when every human being chooses to stop reproducing, Earth's biosphere will be allowed to return to its former glory, and all remaining creatures will be free to live, die, and evolve. And that's just a scary thought process. It is so far out, so far from scripture, so far from reality, that it's hard to know what to even respond to organizations like this. And then we know of Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood, As of January of this year, it's an estimated 64 million lives have been lost. And so we see the world just not valuing children. In interacting with those around us, um, I hear more and more of couples who have gotten married and they're able to have children and um, might be interested in having children, but they, they decide not to. They say it's a matter of 
convenience, and um, you know, it's a choice. Children are a burden, and we wouldn't be, want to be tied down, and so they will have one or two dogs in the home, and it's a choice not to have children. And that's how they live their lives. Of course, this frees them up to pursue their own lifestyle and their career paths and to keep their money available for what they want to do with it, not spend it on children. And it also doesn't tie them down to the commitment and responsibility that comes with having a family. And I will just say these couples are being so short-sighted and they're making life about just themselves and their wants. So there's this concept that having children and families is a burden, it's difficult, it's expensive, it's not worth it. And is this concept from Christ or is it not from Christ? And the Bible so clearly says no, and the Bible encourages us in 2 Corinthians to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And so it's so easy to, to um, hear from these, these groups or hear these philosophies and say, well, there might be a little bit of merit here, and yet it's totally against Scripture. So I'd like to look at God's command. What does God have to say about children? And, and we can go to Genesis 1, and it says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him male and female, He created them, and God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And that comes straight from the God who created us. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then again, it seems after the flood when the ark landed and there were four couples only in the earth, seems the human race was getting pretty close to extinction. God again said in Genesis 9 verse 1, Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Two commands to straight from God in Genesis. And I don't believe those commands have changed today. So what does it mean to multiply or increase in number? If we were to, as a country, as the U.S., sustain a population, we would have an average of 2.1 children per couple, per lady. That's that's what they call the replacement level that allows for some some to not have children, and it also allows for, um, you know, some people do pass away. And so that's a replacement level. I think the, the level in the U.S. is actually below that, but we're sustaining population with immigration. And so if if God has asked us to multiply and increase the number and fill the earth, I think he's talking about more than 2.1 children. Now, I fully recognize that not everyone gets married, and God blesses singleness. I realize that, you know, there's there's couples that cannot have children or or maybe can't have more than one or two. And... um, and, and we bless you if, if anyone finds themselves in those situations. But God has asked us to, to multiply, to increase. And, and how many children is uh, multiplying and increasing? I don't know if we want to throw numbers out here because that's, a, that's a, a point we could have a lot of differing opinions on. In fact, 
Most couples probably have differing opinions on how many children to have. And yet, I, I just encourage you to, to have as many as God blesses you with and, and care well for them. We can make a lot of arguments, um, even financial arguments, for not having a large family, and yet we see families in poor countries, and they're having large families and, and uh, raising their, their children for the Lord. And we really need godly homes, godly children, godly families. That's what this world needs, if it needs anything. And so God bless you with your families and, and having children and multiplying and increasing in number. Psalms 127 has a few verses about children. You can turn there. I think we know the, these verses well. So, so uh, the psalmist here, starting in verse 3, he says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates. So I don't know what a quiver full is. But I did bring a quiver along, and we were not going to have target practice here this morning or shoot this, but I brought a bow and arrow along. So this has four arrows, and uh, we're going to talk about arrows a bit this morning. You children would like if we'd do some bow shooting this morning, right? So here's an arrow. And, and uh, God talks about children being as arrows. Now, is this arrow straight? Does it look straight, children? It has a bit of a sharp, well, actually, this isn't a sharp point on it. This is just a little child's target practice arrow. It has fletchings to help it fly straight, right? It has a place to get knocked in right here. And uh, this works. You can ask my children, they... They like to play around with this bow and arrow. So, so a bit about arrows. I believe, I believe arrows and bows are just a good illustration of children and, and how we as parents are shaping and working with our children. So it, it takes, this was machine produced, but if you think about in the old times when the Indians or uh, people who hunted for their meat when they made their arrows, they, they had to choose the right branch. They had to get it straight. They had to get it smooth because any, anything that wasn't straight or smooth kept it back from flying well. And so as we, as we raise our children, our children have so many questions about our lives and why we do what we do. And it's how they learn. It's how they, they grasp concepts. And the same happens at church in our, in our walk with the Lord. Um, they ask questions. They're watching. Communion time is a, a time there's a lot of questions or baptism. You know, why do we do this? And as we look at the Old Testament and the children of Israel in Exodus 12, uh, this is after 
after the plagues and they put blood on their doors so the angel of death would pass over. And one of the following verses says, It shall come to pass when your children shall say unto them, What mean ye by this service? And, and the commemoration that the children of Israel did time and time again yearly to commemorate what happened, it was a reminder and an opportunity to, to teach and train the children to, to carefully craft and to, to build their lives. Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, And these words have I com- which I command you this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And I believe that's part of making the arrow our children, part of getting them ready to go in life. And I believe, as it is with making arrows and shooting arrows, they need to be guided with a lot of care and a lot of skill. Proverbs 29 talks about disciplining our children. The NIV says, and they will give you peace, and they will bring you delights that you desire. In Galatians chapter 6, it talks about not being deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And then it goes on to talk about the flesh. They that sow to the flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. And they that sow to the spirit shall the spirit reap life everlasting. And I believe the same is true when we raise our children. We just had an incident this morning. I know our children are probably sitting here in church behaving very well. Uh, But one of our children uh, woke up this morning and immediately began to live out of the flesh. I thought for a minute he got out of the wrong side of bed, but there was only one side to get out of. So I actually took him back to bed to start over again. You know, and, and, and we, we correct our children, we train, we, we, get, we work on getting this arrow ready to go. And in all of this, as parents, we make mistakes. We make lots of mistakes. And I believe the most important thing to do as parents is not to be perfect, but when we make mistakes, to apologize and to, to be authentic with our children Our children expect us to make mistakes and be human, and they need to know how to handle it when we fail. All part of working on our arrows. And arrows must be aimed, and they must be given direction, or they will not find it on their own. I believe our children are are the most effective disciple-making opportunity us as parents ever will have. They're, they're living with us. They're in our home. <clears throat> what, what better opportunity to evangelize? The, the connections, the blood connections are strong, and they, they can see your strengths, your weaknesses, your failings, shortcomings, and also see you walk with Christ. Such an opportunity to, to make disciples for Jesus. And then arrows, if you shoot an arrow... arrow only gets shot once unless you can find it again, right? Now, I'm not going to shoot this arrow, but you can, if you can picture with me, if I would aim at the clock back here, right, it would probably hit the clock. I think I could shoot that far fairly accurately. And I would aim 
a little higher, right? Right, children, if you shot bow and arrow, you want to aim a little higher because your, your arrow is going to drop down and hit the clock. And the further you shoot, the higher you need to aim to hit your target. And if you shoot with no target, you're going to lose your error, aren't you? It's just going to go out of sight, and especially on a powerful bow, and you'll probably never find it again. So our children are launched one time, right? We have one opportunity to do it. We want to do it well. And as scripture says, in the hands of a mighty warrior, they increase strength. And so for those of you who have children who have left home and are other places serving the Lord, it's, it's just an extension of you and, and the work that you have done. And they're such a blessing. Children are such an important part of ministry in your home. And I remember when living in Romania, one of the, uh, the teen boys who, who lived with us, he just loved Josiah and Carson. They were, they were very young at that point. And he would, he would come home from work or from school and, and get on the floor with them and, and play with them. But to us as adults, he just had a, had a hard time trusting adults all the time. And so this was a way to stay connected for him. And, and the children, and he talked about it later on, how big of an impact the, our two little boys had on his life. And they were probably two and four-year-olds at that point. And children have so much potential for good or evil. So as parents, it's a lot of responsibility on us as we shepherd, as we protect, as we raise our children. And godly children are a blessing to society, and they become Tamar's godly adults. And, and they, they, go affect the, they affect the world and, and the community around us in so many positive ways, not only spiritually, but morally and economically. They're givers, they're not takers builders and not destroyers and in Jesus words I believe there's salt and light in the earth and I believe here is where I make the case for just having as many children as God will give I believe the world needs more children who will become godly men and women and then later on in years having grandchildren we haven't reached that point I hear it's a wonderful stage of life, and uh, it's maybe all the benefits without the work. Is that right? Without the changing diapers and discipline. And, uh, and yet, yet you, you as, as grandparents, come along and, and pray for your children and grandchildren and support, and it's, it's, it's a very big support and a big blessing. We are uh, grateful we have both sets of grandparents here this morning. That wasn't planned, but uh, it's good to have them here, and they play an important role in the lives of our children. And then the Bible talks about the blessing of children in, in our old age. The, the roles become reversed, and, and for some of you young parents, what you're doing now in caring for your children, your children might be doing 70 years from now in caring for you, 80 years from now. That's a bit of a strange thought, but the roles become more reversed in later years. And it's such a blessing um, to, to have the younger generations care 
for the older. That's what God is talking about in scripture, to care for our parents. And I can't help but think about those who are choosing not to have children these days and what situation they'll find themselves in later on in life. Then I'd like to look at how Jesus valued children. And this brings us back to uh, Luke chapter 18, where, where infants were brought to Jesus. And I believe as we look at scripture, we, we see that children are mentioned 1,803 times in scripture, and that three of the Ten Commandments have to do with children and the family, protecting the family. So God gave a lot of attention to this. And in Luke chapter 15, it says, They brought unto him also infants that he would touch them. When we see pictures of of this or illustrations, the children are usually maybe walking around or seven, eight years old, but yet Jesus says that they were infants. The scripture says here. And I believe it was parents bringing their little children that couldn't walk yet, and they wanted Jesus to bless them. And when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. And I'd like us to, to look at the background of children here, of infants in this time. Uh, it was known that there was a fairly high mortality rate, and, and children weren't valued as much. In fact, if you were poor or for some reason couldn't care for your children, had too many, you would either take them out in the wilderness or if you didn't want them, you take them out in the wilderness and, and abandon them, or more often in a public place, hoping that someone would come by and at least take care of them, whether they made a slave out of them or something worse, at least they were taken care of. And so this happened a lot. This was the Roman mindset. And one of the, the greatest missions that the, the Christians had in the early days was valuing children. It ran counterculture in, in those days, and it runs counterculture today, where Christians value life and, and, and infants and children. And I believe there's many verses we could look at in Scripture, but this passage here speaks to Jesus' value that he placed on children. When we think about Jesus' three short years here doing ministry and and telling parable, telling parables and and uh, giving truth to people who could understand it, it doesn't seem like he would spend a lot of time with children because is there value there? Jesus was teaching scripture and infants can't understand scripture. But when we look at this situation and we bring in the words in Mark chapter 10 where Mark uses different words to describe how Jesus reacted. In Mark, it says he was much displeased. I believe Jesus got fairly angry about this, that the, that the disciples were telling the parents to leave with their children. And Jesus called them unto him and says, Suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. He stopped his preaching, his teaching, and he took some time to bless children. I believe what Jesus did there communicated a lot more than he could have taught through a parable. He communicated a lot by what he did. And so we see Jesus valuing children 
And he calls us to do the same. And Jesus is in the middle of ministry, and he's thronged by people who want physical and spiritual healing, and yet he stops everything and values children. And he wants to bless them. And so if Jesus took time from his busy ministry, his busy life, to value children, and he stopped everything for them, what about for us as a church? What about for us as parents? Yes, we have we need to go to work. We have things that we need to do. And yet, are our children visible? Are we hearing them? Are we connecting with them? Because children not only need to be connected with and valued, but Jesus valued children. And by his example, he is asking us as a church to do the same. And so we want to do that. We want to do that well and follow Christ as as he has given us an example. So now we are going to have a story time for the children. So why don't we have the children come on up? Let's, why don't we sit on the first two benches here to my right? And uh, could I have the mic up here to use? Okay, well, we're going to tell a story here this morning. But first of all, I have a few things <coughs> to hand out. This is heavy. Any of you big boys want to hang on to it? All right. I have something a little smaller if you want it. to handle that without hurting anybody okay we're good there and one more thing you would like it okay why don't we do that okay now now that's a bit dirty so don't get against your clothes I didn't really clean it up before I brought it so what do you think we're going to do we're going to build something okay well there's a story in the bible First of all, we'll, we'll start out with a scripture verse. There's a verse that talks about pride comes before destruction. And there's a lot of verses that talk about God not liking people who are proud. And so there's a verse I talked about in the sermon that we're going to talk about here a little bit. After the ark landed, what happened? How many people were left? Do you remember? Anna? There were eight. Okay, good. You were listening. So there are eight people left. And God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, right? And the earth was pretty big, and there were only eight people back then. And so they had a lot of earth to fill. But what did they do? Does anyone remember what they did not too long after they got off the ark? Maybe a 100 years later. They started to... What's that? 
They had a flood. Well, they had a flood beforehand. That's why there are only eight left. Okay, that was good though. You're, you're on the right track. They built a, an ark. No, the ark was before. After they got off the ark, after the flood, and there were more and more people, they found a beautiful place to live, and they built a, a tower. Now, who, how many of you have been on a tower? Some of you have. They're exciting. They're scary, right? You go way up, and then it looks, everything looks really small. People look like ants down below, right? So anyhow, they built a tower. They started working on this tower, and they built a big one too. And why was this a problem? Why did, did God didn't like this, did he? They, they weren't doing what God wanted. They weren't doing what God had asked them to do, which was fill the earth. Instead, they plopped all in one spot, and they built this tower. And I don't know exactly all the reasons for building the tower. I think they wanted to make a name for themselves. And back then, if you had a tower and someone attacked you, you could go into the tower, and it was a big enough tower and tall enough it's really big at the bottom and it gets smaller as it goes up top. You can hide in there, right? Everyone could go in the tower and be safe. Talks about the Lord being like a strong tower. So anyhow, this is a way of them not having to trust God and a way for them to stick together and a way for them to, to uh, just stay in one spot, right? And so they weren't obeying God's command to fill the earth. So God saw this. And let me ask you this. This is changing the subject just a little bit, but who knows where the largest tower is, the tallest tower? Do any of the adults know? Where's the tallest tower? In. Okay, and do you know how tall it is? Kendrick? You know? 2,700 and some feet, about half a mile tall. So that's the tallest one in the world. It is tall. It's really tall. It's about 270 flights of steps. So you go from your downstairs to your upstairs. Um, you go up 270 times, which means you come down 270 times, then you'll be wore out. That's a hard tower to get to the top of, but anyhow, that's a really tall tower. So I don't know if these people were building that tall of a tower or not. Now, I gave you some things to build a tower with, right? Can you hold up what you have? Okay, we have a trowel. That's called a trowel there, right? And we have a brick right here and some sand and a, what is it? Hammer. A hammer. You look like you're ready to use that thing. You hang on to it, okay? So we're not going to build a tower this morning, but we're going we're gonna to figure out what God did here to the people that were building the tower because God was not very happy about it, and he saw what was going on. And he said, okay, um, we can't let this go on. So what did God do? Really? He changed people's languages? Okay. What? He made people, okay, he made people talk different language. Okay. So imagine that you lived in those times and you woke up the next morning after God had confused all the languages and you got to work. And uh, so I'm going to talk in Romanian a little bit. I'm a little self-conscious because there's two people here that can talk Romanian better than me. And uh, they can correct me right out loud if they want. 
<laughs> but um, imagine that, you know, you know the language, right? And this, this person comes and he says, good morning to you. Or he says something. He says, buona diminazza. What does that mean? Actually, some girls here that know some Romanian too, right? What's it mean? Good morning. Okay. I should have picked another language to, to talk here. So, but, but suppose you never heard those words before, right? Because there was only one language, and so you had no idea what they said. And you looked at them. What's going on? What's their problem? Anyhow, but then it came time to work. And um, I'm going to let you guess which, which, what I'm saying here, okay? So first of all, I get to work, and the first thing I need is a chokan. Which of you thinks you have it? You think you have it? I don't think you do. I need a chokan. Okay, that's right. All right, I'll, t I'll take my chokan back. It's, it's my hammer, right? Okay, this is what you call it in Romanian, right? But you didn't know that. If I'd asked for a hammer, you'd have known right away. Okay? So we got that. Okay. And then next, I need some nasit. Boy, you're spot on. Did you know that? You're doing great teaching your children Romanian. Okay. And then I need a nistrie. You're looking at me so confused. You're right. You're right. It's, it's called a trowel. And then uh, now, 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 I'm, now I'm struggling a little bit. Well, what's a brick in Romanian? Come. Is Vasi here? I'm not seeing her at the moment. Anyhow, so I'll, 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 just take your, I'll just take your brick. But I call it something else. And so it's confusing, right? Because you don't know who wants or what people are asking for because they're asking for things in, in ways you don't even know. And, and, and if you girls are playing doll, why, you know, your, your friend has a doll and she, and she hands it to you and here's my papusha, right? You don't know what she's talking about. And then you get upset at each other, and, and next thing, and, and you, you, you uh, after a while you say, these people are crazy, and, and they're saying things like nebun, which also means crazy in another language, or, or fu, which means crazy in French. Um, so, so it's just confusing. It's a mess. And, and God separated people, and they found people that talked their language, and they got together with them, with people they understood, and they went here, and they went there, and they went all over the place. And that's how God solved the problem. So God can always solve the problem when we get too prideful and do things he doesn't want us to do. All right, that's the end of the story. You may go back to your parents. All right, well, hopefully each one of us could pick up a few truths from that story. And uh, God has a way of uh, getting his will across, whether it's um, 
changing up languages or, or finding other ways to do it. So may God bless each one of you, each one of us, and guide us as we value children. Um, that's what he valued. He valued eternal souls, and each one of us here, including children, is an eternal soul. So God bless you as you raise your children, as you raise your grandchildren, as um, together as a church we, we value what God values. Let's, bow, let's uh, kneel for prayer.